Before we get into today's episode of Forward Thinking Founders, I want to tell you a little bit about Crash, our sponsor. So what happens when you want to get a job? You know, either just quit a job, you just got laid off, you're graduating college, what do you do? Well, usually you fill out a resume, you spruce up your LinkedIn profile, and you start submitting resumes to companies by the dozen, just hoping to get a response, hoping a recruiter reaches out to you. Well, let me tell you, that process of finding a job is history. And what's the new process? It's called Crash. Crash is a new way to land a job. What you do is you go to crash.co, you make a profile, right? You input your skills, make a video pitching yourself, you know, make yourself look good on Crash profile. And then when you're ready to find a job, you launch. Just like a product on Product Hunt launches to the world, people who are looking for jobs launch on crash they're called crashers and once they're launched people can upvote them and it's a really fun thing but what this does is it turns the job hunt into an event and let me tell you it is so effective there are tons of people that are launching on crash that are finding jobs much faster than they would have otherwise at better companies you can tailor pitches to companies and it's just one of the one of the coolest platforms i've ever seen on the flip side if you're a company and you're a startup and you're hiring um, for a position what's the most important thing to look for um, in a in a position right is aptitude you want someone who's going to get in there learn and have a learning rate that's that's off the charts so you're looking for high aptitude and everyone launching on crash is so impressive you just go to crash.co browse who's launching it and i'm positive you're gonna find a writer or a designer or a programmer who impresses you so i promise you if you're trying to get a job or if you're trying to hire entry-level talent and beyond the best place on the internet to do that is crash.co thank you again crash for being a sponsor of forward thinking founders now let's get into the show All right, how is it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm super stoked to have on the show Jeremy Blaylock, who's one of the founders of Adalo. Jeremy, how's your day going? Great, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I know we've been chatting back and forth the last couple of weeks and I've been stoked to, you know, stoked to be on Adalo and I'm now I'm very excited to have you on. Uh, so, you know, let's dive right into it. Tell the listeners, what is Adalo? What are you working on? Sure. Yeah. So Adalo aims to be the easiest way to build a mobile or web application without code. So we're basically like the Squarespace or Webflow for building mobile apps um, as well as web apps, which we recently launched. So you're saying that, you know, someone like me who can't code, I may, might know a little HTML and CSS, but I don't, you know, I don't know the full stack stuff can go on your platform and make an app. Like, is it, it like, what are, what, what are the types of things that I can make? Is it just like a static website or can I do more than just static stuff? Yeah. I mean, we really want to enable you to build really complex and powerful applications. So you can build something like an Airbnb or a slimmed down version of Facebook, all the way to things more like business productivity tools or you know time trackers, 
uh, inventory management systems, things like that. So really complex applications, but we've simplified it as much as we can to make it so you can build those things with our pretty basic building blocks. You know, when you think about it, something like this is it's fairly revolutionary because product development has is kind of you can only build products if you know how to code. And there's so many people with ideas that 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 would be building products if they could code, but learning to code is, is really hard. So you're kind of like democratizing product development. Uh, and I think you're onto something very big. I'd love to know about how did you get into like how did you think of the idea or how did you get into this company? Yeah, sure. I mean. At my previous company where I worked, um, Synac, we were a security company and basically we wanted to build a mobile app as a companion to our web application that our customers used. And even though, you know, we were a powerful, you know, engineering team, we had engineers, we had product managers, we just couldn't convince the people higher up that there was enough, you know, reason to actually go and invest the time and money to hire mobile developers and build a mobile app. And that's what kind of got me thinking, what if there was another way to do this, you know, we had, we had gone and built an Envision prototype of the mobile app. So it basically kind of worked and looked like a mobile app. Uh, but when you try to click on any of the buttons, nothing would really happen. Um, and I was thinking, what if I could just hook up, you know, actual data to that Envision prototype and make it really work? Um, and you got me thinking, well, what is the difference between a working app and kind of a prototype? Well, really, it's the functionality piece. And, you know, design tools have come so far where now you can build things that look like they're totally functional applications but they break down when you try to add real functionality. So the first prototype that we built was basically something that took your designs and converted them into a prototype that not just only had you know, transitions, but also had real data in it. And then we kind of built and built and built from there. So now you can build pretty complex things. We, inc we incorporate all the backend functionality into it as well. Um, you can, of course, hook up external APIs and data sources, but out of the box, you get kind of that full stack application which you can play with. So I, I've actually, I, I've played with Adalo a good amount in the last couple of, of weeks. And it's, you just said something I didn't realize. So you're, you're saying that you can hook up to APIs of other, of other products on Adalo. So like, can, you, can you go a little bit more into that just for like my own education uh, for wanting sure, to build yeah, that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we, we designed Adalo to be as flexible as possible. So by default, you get kind of the, built-in database, and then you get the front end and you can build those two together, but you can also have the option of adding another external API. So you can build an entire app where instead of using the Adalo backend, you use some other backend API that maybe is from one of your existing applications somewhere else, um, and then build in a very similar way to how you'd build with our built-in backend. That's awesome. It, it, it really seems like you're building, you're, you're kind of like back in the gold rush days, sounds like you're kind of giving the shovels to the, to the, to everyone wanting to dig for gold. So I think that is, that is fantastic. So what are some, like, so, I mean, you're building this platform that allows anyone, you know, who has an idea to build a product. Where do you see it going in the next just couple of years, like one or two years out, where are you rowing to in the, in the near term? Right. I mean, so, in the immediate phase, we're trying to help anybody who has a startup idea and can't build it out themselves very easily to do that, right? That's the, that's the first step. Um, we also see a lot of interest from some larger enterprise companies like universities and, you know, Fortune 500s and building out those applications that they just can't, you know, get support, enough support around to pay $100,000 for, but they really want to build it out and test it out. 
But, you know, long term, we really see this changing the face of, you know, what does it mean to be a software developer? What does it mean to build software? Um, we think that'll totally change how the world works. Um, there's just so much demand for software development these days and such a lack of skilled software engineers to build it that I think we have no idea where that will take the world if we, if we really let it run wild, you know. Um, there's, software is basically eating every part of the world that it can, but right now that's limited by markets that are big enough that they can be billion dollar products. And so there are lots of other markets that might not have a billion dollar product opportunity but they still could absolutely benefit from, you know, software. It's such a, it's such an interesting take and it, it's, it shows your, 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 your thoughtfulness into the market. And yeah, like the, the software companies that are giant companies are giant because the VCs funded them and VCs only want to fund companies that can be billion dollar companies. So exactly. what about <laughs> all the million dollar companies or hundred thousand dollar companies that, that, that haven't been built because it hasn't been possible. So that, that, that's fantastic. What, you, you know, kind of going up, up a layer or up a level, I have seen on Twitter, I'm big on, on the Twitter, I'm on it daily, and I see oftentimes that, like, no code is a thing. Like, it's not just, it's not just your, your, your platform. It's kind of like a, a movement. But it always seems to be, like, it, 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 there's always been, like, a no code. Like, oh, no code is just around the corner. No code is just around the corner. But it, it finally seems like, it's just around the corner. Um, what, do, do, you, do you think that's the case? And if so, what makes kind of this, uh, this point in time different from the 2000s or 2010? And um, just love your take on the macro environment. Sure, yeah, I mean, okay. the, way, the way we look at it is, I mean, the way I think about it is that, you know, website development these days for people's marketing websites, a lot of that is done through no-code tools now. And those are tools like Squarespace and Webflow, like I mentioned. Um, Wix, there's so many others. Um, that was not all the, always the case. You know, when I started building startups back in, you know, the late or early 2010s, um, there really weren't great tools to build your startup website with no code. Um, but there was already WordPress and WordPress was kind of the first. And then there was Shopify for, you know, marketing pages and then there or for shopping cart stuff. Then there's Squarespace that came about for marketing pages and it's kind of grown and grown where now we have Webflow, which lets you build pretty much anything in terms of websites um, with, without knowing how to code with just minimal skill set, um, We kind of see the same thing happening with mobile apps now, where a few years ago you had these tools that let you build like an app for your restaurant um, or an app for your school. And then a couple of years later, you had some slightly more general purpose tools that let you build things for like internal productivity applications. Uh, but now I think Adalo, at least in my, in my belief, is that Adalo lets you build truly anything and that's where we're kind of reaching that next level that websites did a few years back. Um, I'm really excited to see that happening. I know that the no code thing really becoming a thing on Twitter, I think that's happened just this year. When I started working on this, nobody was talking about it. And it's, I started working and basically thinking about the idea in 2017, um, after I'd quit my job and I started hacking around a little bit. Maybe by the end of 2017, I had kind of a basic prototype and went out to, to join an incubator over in Berkeley. Um, but then still at that point, nobody was really too concerned about what was happening in no code. It was more about the design tools space and prototyping. Um, and then somewhere toward the end of 2018, early 2019, it really became a thing that people wanted to talk about. And I, I wish it would have maybe taken a little longer so we could have been the one riding that wave, but I, I'm happy that it's happening now. You know, I'm, I love to see what's happening with it. 
so many other people are building amazing tools. And I think that's just propelling the industry forward further and faster. And so hopefully we can take advantage of that too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you will. I think anyone built anyone in 2019 kind of building the shovels or handing out the shovels are going to do just fine looking back in like a, a decade or two. Um, so no code is, is this thing that has popped up and it, it seems like it's here to stay now. Kind of a question, just, just a per personal question or is how does someone like me or someone listening, um, take advantage of, of the democratization of product development? What are the, what are the ways that, uh, that people can like, does this unlock new ways of commerce? Um, is it a, is it a platform shift? Like, like how do people take advantage of it? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many ways. Um, probably the first way is if you work at a company that needs to build something, there are now many new ways you could do it besides just hiring contractors. So if you want to build some kind of automation for a productivity workflow, you can use Zapier to do that. You can use MuleSoft to do that for building, you know, a website. You can use, like I said, Squarespace, Webflow, other tools. If you want to build other types of productivity things, you know, Airtable offers a lot of cool things. And then obviously for mobile apps, Adalo is a great tool to build mobile apps with now that just wasn't there a couple of years ago. Um, but then also I think one of the cool things that it unlocks is the freelancer economy. And I think this is where what you guys are doing is pretty awesome. Um, basically we see that a lot of the customers that want to build things on Adalo, um, they may not have super technical backgrounds. And so they still want to have somebody kind of walk them through the process. And so we see some freelancers already using Adalo to build tools for other people. Um, and then filling that kind of role that a design agency would have in the previous generation. But those are, it's a totally different business model. The pricing's totally different. The timelines are totally different. It's a new world um, where people, somebody told me, I think it was two days ago, they said, yeah, we, uh, we closed a customer. We told them we'd be able to get them the first version of the product by October 1st, and that's only a week away. Um, and it's like, great, you know, sounds good. And they have a little bit of experience building on a dollar, so it seems totally possible. That just would have been totally out of the question with traditional development methods. I almost wonder if there's going to be a new crop of like kind of what you're alluding to is like web development agencies that can just work for less money and a faster pace than, than, than previous web development agencies, just because the tools are that much better. Yeah. I mean, we, we want to support that. We've already seen there are some dedicated development agencies that just use no code tools. And there's one in Europe that I'm forgetting the name of. Um, but that's something we want to support as much as we can. And so if anybody is interested in, you know, building tools or build, building with those tools, we're here to help you. Um, but that's, that's something we're super actively pursuing. Cool. That is, that is fantastic to know. If anyone listening, you know, is trying to get into no code, you know who to talk to. So moving a layer outside of no code, you know, you've, you've been, you, you mentioned you've been in startups since the early 2010s. You've been working on Adalo for a few years now. What are some shifts or some industry changes or just industries in general that interest you outside of, outside of no code? It, it can be, you don't have to be working on it, but what are things that interest you outside of what you're working on? I mean, kind of in parallel to what I've been doing, you know, I started a company in 2011, I guess, that then... 11 beginning in 2012 that then evolved for a while. I was a founder for two years. I ended up leaving. 
working at another company that I met along the way. Um, one thing that I've noticed in parallel, though, is kind of this whole hardware products and Kickstarter world. And I've always been jealous of what they've been able to do there. You know, I, I had seen some of my friends from college start Kickstarter campaigns and raise massive amounts of money, build hardware products that are pretty amazing. Um, but, you know, I've never really been able to touch that. And I've always been a little bit jealous. <laughs> I, also, I also see this in startups. Um, it's changed so much just in the short period of time. And I think that, you know, when I first got into the startup world, the hottest thing was the web. And then a year later, the hottest thing, and you know, the web meaning building with HTML5 and building, you know, rich experiences, that was the thing. And then a year or two later, it was all mobile and everything was, everybody was building a mobile app. And if you're building a mobile app, you could raise money. And then the year after that, it was big data. And they're just keeping these trends. Um, I think that now, you know, the trend we're seeing is really no code, which is incredibly cool to see. Um, I just hope we can, you know, continue to be a leader and capitalize on it. Definitely. I, I think with the tech you've built, I, I, I would be surprised if you weren't. I actually want to dive into the tech. You, you're enabling, you built technology that allows someone else to build complex technology, which means your technology must be insane. How long did it take to build it, your platform to allow people to build platforms? <laughs> like, yeah, what, what I mean, goes it's into that? our MVP has to let you build your MVP, right? So that's the, that's the challenge. Um, I mean, it was just basically me by myself for the first, for the first eight or so months grinding away. You know, I, I started working, I, I quit my job in mid 2017 and I basically just was on my own um, for about the first eight months working on the core tech and, you know, getting things working. I didn't have any customers or any employees until I hired my first, you know, intern last summer to help me out with some of the design stuff. I brought on the first pilot customer a little over a year ago, I think in June or maybe May even of 2018, try out the platform and really give us some feedback. But it wasn't really until much later, you know, I brought on my two co-founders around this time last year and we really started to take off. Um, that's when we really started to bring on customers in volume and you know just go a lot faster than it could but but basically the the first many months was just building technology trying things a lot of things didn't work so we had to try different things um learn as much as we can and keep going right yeah that's what it's about so a, a couple more questions for you what is something on adalo that you want someone to build that that no one's built yet. What's on your wish list, Adalo product? <laughs> is there anything you could think of you think would be really cool that no one's done yet? I mean, there are so many things. I think that marketplaces are a great thing to build now. So like anytime you have a, a double-ended marketplace, um, we are just in the process of unleashing that functionality where now you can do it. Um, now, right now today, you can, you can build a marketplace, which is kind of one of the only tools that lets you build like end-to-end -end marketplace apps. Um, we're about to launch the Stripe marketplace functionality that will let you like do instant payouts and everything too. It's going to be pretty awesome. We want to see more of those. I mean, we just love seeing any of the kind of alternatives to the traditional social apps. So I think one of the things in 2019 that's a trend is that everybody is not so happy about Facebook and other companies having all your data. And so there's been a lot of people building other apps that fulfill those same kind of, you know, those same gaps in your life, but do it in a lot more targeted way and a lot more kind of 
human way. Um, we see a lot of cool things happening there. That's those are the those are the two that come to mind. But there are so many things you could build that you know I I mainly look to our users for inspiration. Like some of the things you've built, David, have been pretty awesome. Yeah, if I I just gotta push push one of them across the finish line and launch it launch it on product time. That's what I think is cool. Like you can just you can just build something in a day and launch it. And if it, if you do well, like you could go from idea to users in a day. Like that's that that's what you've enabled. It's so powerful, and I. I am a big fan of, of what you're doing and just really interested to see what's going to come of this no code movement. The democratization of product development is going to be, it's going to be huge. So I, lo I love that you're a player in that. So I have a, I have a one more, uh, one or two more questions for you. Um, so my last, you know, yeah, this is my last question. So you ultimately are, enabling anyone who has a little will to learn and an idea in their head to, to go out there and build a mobile app or build a web app, uh, you know, in days, in weeks, which, which means the question that I always ask every guest at this phase is like, Hey, what do you like? How do you get started? Right. And almost everyone says, Oh, just like, just do, do the, the most minimal amount of things you have to do to, to like to move the needle. But you're in this position where like you enable someone to do a lot of things in a little amount of time. So I'm intrigued. I'm like leading up to this question, knowing what you know about your platform, what would you say um, to someone listening to this podcast uh, who has a big idea? Um, what would you tell them to get started um, to, to kind of impact the world? How would they start? Yeah, I mean, I think that even when you build with a dollar, one thing to keep in mind is the lean startup still applies. If you can get something out there, if it previously would have taken you a week to get it out there, if you can now get it out in four hours, then that gives you that much more of an advantage and you should just get it out there that much quicker. Like it doesn't, this is not an invitation to build a five times more complex product. It's just, it's just a way to get things out faster when you're at the early stages. And we want you to do that because that's going to make you more successful. But I think the main thing is don't be afraid to start, right? That's if you can just basically think of what's in your head right now and execute on that and then know that you'll learn what changes need to happen to that to make it a better product over time. You don't have to have all the answers right now. You know, you can, because it's so cheap to get products out, not just with a dollar, but with all the other things you need to get that product out there in the world, you can do that so quickly now. You should just try and do it as quickly as you possibly can. There it is. You heard it first here from Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on to Forward Thinking Founders. It was a blast to have it. You're the first guest that's come on that's, that's in the no-code world. Um, so appreciate you coming on. And um, yeah, keep rocking with Adalo. Well, thanks for having me. And you, you have got, a good day. Yeah, you too.